Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Digital Workplace. This is a podcast hosted by me and Brent Cosgrove that focuses on the interactions between employers and employees in the American workplace that involves all things digital. With us today is our friend and celebrity guest and our partner, Risa Borner, who is chair of Fisher & Phillips Data Security and Workplace Privacy Practice Group. Risa is a certified information privacy professional for several years now, right? And her practice group focuses on the cutting edge data breach and privacy issues that arise between employers and employees across the country. In addition, Reese's DACA also consists of employer defection and trade secrets litigation and counseling. Reese, it's great to have you join us today and have you be part of the podcast with me and Dave that we've been, we've been working on so far. Um, you know, this topic we're gonna to talk about today, the Stengard case and what I call the Stengard fact pattern, uh, something you and I have seen over the years. We've had to come up with our own clients, with partners. Um, we're really excited to have you today. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here, and I appreciate you both inviting me to join you. Um, at Brent, as you know in particular, this is a subject that is near and dear to my heart and that you and I have been talking about for over a decade, really. Um, and uh, it's still just as current as it was when we first started talking about it and keeps mutating. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to, to talk about it today. So for, 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 to tee this up and to really um, introduce sort of how these things come up with Stengard, you know, it seems like, you know, almost once a week, we, we get phone calls either from clients or from, um, you know, another partner or an attorney around the firm who says, hey, you know, you're not going to believe what just happened. We just got the greatest break in a case. And what ends up happening is exactly the opposite almost. Um, clients sort of stumble into their employees' personal email accounts, or maybe it's, a, maybe it's a corporate email account, but in that email account, they find communications between the employee and that employee's personal attorney plotting a lawsuit or discussing the legal strategy that they're gonna launch against our client, their employer. And, um, you know, on the one hand, there's all this excitement because of the very thing that makes it wrong. The employer feels like, I, I just found like this, this treasure or this thing that's going to really blow the roof off this case. And it's like, well, the, exactly. You're not supposed to have that. <laughs> and, it's, and it's typically privileged communication. Sometimes it's work product. And, um, you know, it, there's really always a lot of moving parts to these things, too, because on the one hand, you know, as we're going to get into, you sometimes have to act fast. And yeah. we have to move quickly to kind of make sure the situation goes the right way. That, that's right. And it, it often comes up where an employee has pre-populated a password to an account, whether it's an email account, like a Gmail account that they uh, have accessed through their work computer, or even a social media account. You know, sometimes we've seen that somebody, for instance, has their Facebook account set up to automatically populate a password and the messages start popping up. Um, at Brent, as you said, sometimes it's someone who's planning to, you know, start a competitive business or hire away other employees. And sometimes it's, you know, it's something else. They're trying to recruit other employees to, you know, to leave or even trying to drum up claims against their former employer. I've had that situation come up as well. And so, you know, naturally when the employer sees it, you know, they think, gee, this is a gold mine, you know. Um, sometimes they want to continue to monitor it. Um, and of course, this raises all sorts of legal issues. Yeah, yeah. You know, a couple of years ago, I had an interesting issue that, relates to this that 
where you had an employee who left, who did bad things, and then left to go to a competitor. But he, the first Apple device he ever got was his work iPhone. So when he, so when he set up his Apple account, he used his work email. And his employer knew this. And his employer then, after he left, used his work email as his username and said he lost his password. And then the employer got a new password, locked the employee out of his Apple account, which then he had since added his wife's phone to and his daughter's iPad to. And the employer went in and downloaded all his text messages. You know, one of the things that, that this comment, what Risa said earlier, alludes to, this is, this is important for our listeners. These standard issues, they're not just about a trade secrets case. Yeah. They're not just about, you know, the, the legal strategy on the big sexual harassment suit that the employee, it can be any kind of case. So substantively, for our listeners who are general counsel or executives at clients, you got to understand this could literally be any type of case that, that an employee is plotting um, across the employment spectrum. Right. And, and it raises serious privacy issues. Um, and I, um, I mean, it, uh, again, this comes up in different contexts, but generally, if, if you have a password to an account and you have the ability to go into it without, without the employee's knowledge, you have to be thinking about things like the Stored Communications Act, you know, for instance. Um, and is this going to be a violation of the act? Um, you need to look at the circuit that you're in and the circuit court case law because there are some differences in the way that act has been applied. Um, but you also need to think about invasion of privacy claims, um, whether or not there is a constitutional right to privacy in your state, um, and whether that might be implicated. And you have to look at your policies. And, and you know, for general counsel who may be listening or thinking like, well, what can we do to prepare for this maybe happening in the future? Check your policies. Or, you know, um, what are you telling employees you have the right to do as a company when it comes to employee, the employer's device or the employer's use of the employer's systems? Um, are you notifying them that you may inspect? Are you notifying them that, that you're going to monitor? Are you reserving the right to do that? Do you have them acknowledge that they have no expectation of privacy in communications that are made either using your device or using your network? Um, because a lot of times these issues, particularly in the, you know, in the invasion of privacy context, will turn on, did the employee have a reasonable expectation of privacy? And the court will look at your policy as a starting point and say, well, what did you tell them? Um, so, and I yeah. think, you know, Risa, it, it brings to mind right away the Stengard case itself. So mm -hmm. in the Stengard case itself, you had two policies at issue that really got odd treatment by the courts in the Garden State as it made its way up to the New Jersey Supreme Court. First of all, you had a policy that said Marina Stengart had no expectation, and all the other employees at Loving Care Agency had no expectation of privacy. But there was also that policy that said every little piece of electronically stored information on Loving Care's computer systems, well, that was the property of the employer. And it was either the Intermediate Appellate Court or the New Jersey Supreme Court that really took the employer to task on that and said, wait a minute, what is that supposed to mean? I mean, you let these employees go and use the workplace computers for personal stuff sometimes. How could you then turn around and say that that's your property? That's nuts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so when you're thinking of the policies, it's really important that you don't just assume, oh yeah, I think we've got something that says there's, a, there's no right to privacy and we can mm -hmm. search it all over the place. That's not enough. You gotta make sure your policy doesn't actually go too far on that continuum and, and, and really create this crisis that you had in New Jersey. Um, 
The other thing really about the Stengar case that's fascinating is it wasn't a case where the employer stumbled into a live active account. They were in litigation um, and they, they, made a, they did the right thing. They made a forensic image of the workplace computer and found Marina Stengart's emails with her personal attorney and kind of just sat on them and, and studied them and, and then ultimately they got produced in the lawsuit. And the way it got to the courts was through the discovery process. There was a motion to say, you got to turn all this over and you can't have it and that sort of thing by, by Marina Stengard. Um, then there's also in the case, the interplay between not just the policies, but also, and we see this in the other cases where the Stengard problem comes up. Who is the person, who is the employee whose rights have been violated? Um, you know, Risa a minute ago was just talking about like reasonable expectation of privacy, but wait a second. It's not just a one size fits all analysis. Marina Stengard, it turned out, she had no idea that if she uses her, her personal email account on the computer, that that's gonna go create this copy of the emails on the system that gets picked up by the forensic image made by the employer. It's like, right, so in that case, the New Jersey Supreme Court gave great weight to that and said, this isn't, she doesn't know this is how it works. Now, conversely, we've seen cases out there where it's like the IT guy um, is an issue. Well, guess what? He, he's not going to get the benefit of this. And, and, and we've also had cases where it's like an HR executive. Same thing. Like they're going to, a reasonable HR executive is gonna, has got to know that that's the case. They're responsible for administering these policies. Um, so those are the sorts of things I think, you know, people need to be aware of as they, you know, if they get that phone call. And it really depends on the state, too. I mean, I forget the name of the case, but there's a South D, a Dove Coda case, which is kind of in an in opposite to Stengart, where it basically said, if the employer says that you, that, that everything you do on the employer's systems and, and computers are the employer's, well, then you're stuck with that. But I think the weight of that authority could be changing. One thing that I think is important to remember also is with the, the pandemic, um, you know, so many uh, prior practices have changed in the workplace. Employers are allowing employees, maybe who once always worked in the office, to work remotely part of the time, all of the time. And, and in some ways, I mean, I think employers need to look, look at the changes that they implemented, if they've implemented any, um, in terms of how their systems are used, how their devices are used, whether an employee is permitted to use personal devices, what they're allowed to, to do on them, whether, whether employers have loosened the requirements in terms of you know, using an, uh, a device, both for a work device, both for work and also to access personal accounts. In practice, have you allowed something different than what your policy says? And make sure you're shoring up your practices and that you're not doing something that um, suggests an expectation of privacy in the employee's mind because you're allowing something that's different than what you allowed before the pandemic. Um, yeah, another thing is um, sometimes this comes up in the course of employer monitoring because with more employees working remotely, employers are looking you know, in some circumstances for ways to monitor productivity, to make sure employees are doing what they say that they're doing remotely. And you know, sometimes when you're doing that monitoring, you're also capturing personal information, personal data, you know, access to personal accounts, that sort of thing. And new laws are popping, new legislation is popping up on this um, in different parts of the country. New York just passed new legislation regarding employee monitoring, requiring employers to notify employees if they're engaging in monitoring. Some other states have already had those laws. I think we'll see more of a operation of that going forward.
one of the things we want to make sure council walks away from today's discussion with is um, their need to respect that privacy is really the bedrock of why there's the ethics rule you have to give that former employee or employee notice mm -hmm. that you you as the employer particularly general counsel found their stuff and found those communications that are privileged or work product um, in the Stengar case and a few of these others, there are ethics rules in these jurisdictions that require a timely, you are on the clock to let the other side know that you got, you found their stuff. And if you don't do that, you're gonna get the reprimand that the lawyers got representing loving care agency from the New Jersey Supreme Court. And you're talking about in the context of litigation, if yes. you come across the, this data. Yeah. Yes, and we, we, I think there's even a question, Risa, if you're not in litigation, does that ethics rule apply if you find stuff? And I think that you, I think that there is definitely in some jurisdictions, some teeth to that ethics rule. It says if you are the recipient of an inadvertent privileged communication, you have to let that person know at that point. Yeah, and I think a lot of that goes uh, back to what Reese was saying earlier too, and that is a lot of the employers have a rule saying, don't use our devices, don't use our accounts for personal stuff but everybody violates that rule. Mm -hmm. From the CEO down to the, uh, the lowest person in the company. And it's just assumed that everyone's gonna violate the rule. So it's not really a rule. If it's in, and if it's not really a rule, well then can you use that rule to take advantage of people's personal or privileged communications? Yeah, it all really does come back to a reasonable expectation of privacy. And you may find that thrown back at you if you're yeah. allowing people to use your systems and your devices in a way that's contrary to policy and you're doing that on a regular basis, you may find in, you know, if there's litigation that that's thrown back at you by the employee, you know, you say, well, you had no reasonable expectation of privacy because you see what our policy says and it violated it. Yeah. And the employee comes back and says, but nobody follows that policy and you don't enforce it. And so it's not really a policy. Right. It's just yeah. words. Yeah. Well, Risa, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you. I'm thank happy to come back much. anytime. <laughs> we want to thank everybody for listening to us today. And as a reminder, today's podcast and all the others are not instances in which we are giving legal advice. Nothing in the podcast uh, constitutes legal advice. And any legal issues arising from situations like these that we discussed involving the Stengard case or similar cases should be addressed with your attorney. None of the content of this podcast is based on an actual case or matter. These are all strictly hypotheticals. This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation.